0: I don't know how much of the ambient noise and sounds you're able to pick up except, of course, for (laughs) the motors and the dogs, but...
1: Some birds also. There's some birds, (laughs)
0: the wind is blowing, and there's just an... So beautiful. Even in the little bit of chaos that does exist, there's this deep stillness in nature. And even though nature itself is very restless, you'll see the leaves are constantly moving, the birds are fluttering. There's always sounds. Nature is not necessarily quiet. But she's very still, and she promotes that stillness. And um, this dichotomy of nature, of its restlessness, of the sounds that it's constantly emitting, if you were to pay attention, yet that stillness that it brings is kind of how the Master's Expect and ask of us to live as well and that's how they live because they're very active people They're not just sitting somewhere hidden although that's one way to do it, but most of the great saints Those whose lives we then try to both study and emulate are very very active people far greater in their activity than perhaps all of us combined (laughs) yet they never lose that stillness and uh, Let's see if we can continue to somehow transmit that to wherever you are. We're now on Chapter 15, The Cauliflower Robbery. We ended a beautiful chapter of the experience in Cosmic Consciousness. We went through the poem Samadhi. Of course, then we did a meditation the following day on that poem. So, I hope since then you've taken on this Um, advice of Paramahansa Yogananda is to try to memorize this poem and repeat it to yourself as often as you can. If you haven't for some reason, the good news is you still can. Today is a great day to start that again. We've got another beautiful sound every now and then which is of these helicopters. But every time a helicopter passes by, rather than seeing it as Kind of a disturbance as a nuisance. A
1: moment of pause.
0: It's actually a reminder for us. The moment a heli, you know, if we're talking or something's going on, the moment the helicopter passes by, like, everybody oh. gets quiet. <laughs> you just close your eyes. You let that sound kind of dissipate, and then you begin whatever you were doing. So, it's this great reminder where a very disturbance can become a reason to find stillness and silence. Let's begin now. Page 150. Master, a gift for you. These six huge cauliflowers were planted with my hands. I have watched over their growth with the tender care of a mother nursing her child. I presented the basket of vegetables with a ceremonial flourish. Thank you. Sri Yukteswar's smile was warm with appreciation. Please keep them in your room. I shall need them tomorrow for a special dinner.
1: I want to pause here for a moment. (laughs) I don't know if you Google it, but I did. I'm not a good farmer. So please, all of you farmers, excuse me for not knowing this. But I was curious to see how long it takes for a cauliflower (laughs) to grow. And Google says it takes between two to three months. So, I just wanted for all of us to keep in mind that it wasn't just a week or two or three. For three months, uh, Yogananda just watered that cauliflower, watched over them, perhaps prayed to them, talked to them, nourishing them, because he knew those cauliflowers were going to be gifted to his guru so so let's keep in mind that it was a three month process a time he invested perhaps a little attachment (laughs) he developed with those cauliflowers so just to put this into context because for many of us that's what also we do with with things that we are about to gift to somebody all the care all the thought we put behind it sometimes the financial investment that we offer or in whatever other form, but there is time, energy, love, care invested that then perhaps God has other plans for it. Just wanted to mention that.
0: I had just arrived in Puri to spend my college summer vacation with my guru at his seaside hermitage. Built by Master and His disciples, the cheerful little two-storied retreat fronts the Bay of Bengal. As I was reading this last night, it just felt a lot like the space we have here. The seaside hermitage. If you've ever been to Puri, that ashram is just fabulous. And it's mostly fabulous because that's where Sri Yukteswar's body is buried. That's where he took his Mahasamadhi. And it's just one of the most powerful places to meditate, but even that ashram has, I mean, you can't quite see the ocean, it's, it's a kilometre, but you can you can visualize the expansion behind us that just opens up. There is nothing uh, blocking the view, and therefore there's nothing blocking the energy and the aura from just going on outwards, and somehow you visualize even that ashram there of Sri Yukteswar's, which at that time wouldn't have the chaos that Puri has now. And you could have just seen the ocean and just visualized far into the distance. I awoke early the following morning, refreshed by the salty sea breezes and the charm of my surroundings. Again, we can totally relate to this. We wake up in the morning and we get that same salty sea breeze. Sri Yukteswar's melodious voice was calling. I took a look at my cherished cauliflowers and stowed them neatly under my bed, so master's already giving the hint of the little attachment Narayani was talking about. Woke up in the morning.
1: The first thing we do just
0: <laughs> ah, check. my cauliflowers, my little children, my sweet possessions. Come, let's go to the beach. Master led the way. Several young disciples and myself followed in a scattered group. Our guru surveyed us in mild criticism. When our Western brothers walk, they usually take pride in unison. Now, please march in two rows, keep rhythmic step with one another. Sri watched as we obeyed. He began to sing. Boys go to and fro in a pretty little row. Boys go to and fro in a lit pretty little row. So this is how. Master said the melody was, Swamiji would also sing this sometimes. That's what he says, Boys go to and fro in a pretty little row. I could not but admire the ease with which Master was able to match the brisk pace of his young students. Another very interesting look into Sri Yukteswar's personality and in the way that he worked with his disciples is um, he appreciated order, Mm -hmm. he appreciated harmony. Mm-hmm. even in something as
1: trivial, trivial
0: mundane, mundane, you know, subconscious as walking towards on the beach. And he wanted the boys, you know, get in line, walk together, because there's beauty in harmonizing. Mm-hmm. You know, so often we love to assert our individuality. You know, just this is how I walk, I'm going to be separate, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm going to kind of... Make sure I stand out, which is, has sometimes its own beauty, you know, that creativity, that uniqueness much, must be expressed. But especially when we're working in a group, and this is satsang, and this is community, it's so much more powerful to harmonize. Mm-hmm. And that can mean, not necessarily when we're walking, but, you know, you come to a place where devotees are together, And you immediately see, what are they doing? What can I involve myself? How can I get attuned to the energy of the group? Where can I contribute that my energy is not sticking out? Mm. And it's not like, what can I do that's special and that's different? What's needed? What's happening? And Sri Yukteswar, and we've talked about this before, he brought a lot of that Western practicality Mm. in the way he taught. Perhaps from his own lifetimes, as Yogananda shared, Shri Yukteswar was um, the Archbishop of Canterbury mm-hmm. when Yogananda was William the Conqueror. He was the spiritual advisor to the King of England at that time. And so, all those lives, he held some of that practicality with him. Mm-hmm. Halt! My guru's eyes sought mine. Did you remember to lock the back door of the hermitage? And before we go, let's just quickly look at the, yeah,
1: the hermitage. Side. That's the
0: hermitage, as it was, whenever that was. Uh, it looks a little run down in the image. Now, of course, it's a beautiful place to visit with a lot of devotees going there to receive darshan and the blessings of Sri Yukteswar. Back to the question. Did you remember to lock the back door of the hermitage? Uh, I think so, sir. Shri was silent for a few minutes. A half-suppressed smile on his lips. No, you forgot, he finally said. Divine contemplation must not be made an excuse for material carelessness. You have neglected your duty in safeguarding the ashram. You must be punished. <laughs> Two things here, of course. Yeah. Most importantly, Sri Yukteswar is of course talking to us about and we come back to the previous subject of that practical kind of um, deeply rooted aspect of the spiritual path, which is everything needs to be given its due importance Discipline the in the name of, you know, I am just here to for God, so nothing else matters. I mean, there can be a time and place for that. And um, in a darker age, that was perhaps even more helpful to do that. But now, where we're in an age of energy, how we use that energy and where we direct that energy has, um, has a lot of power with it. And so he says here, Divine contemplation must not be made an excuse for material carelessness. And recognizing that the world that we're living in offers us ample opportunities to prove to ourselves our awareness, our understanding of our environment, our complete presence of mind Mm -hmm. in all that we do. To be drunk with God does not mean to be um, oblivious. It means to be so deeply and um, intensely aware of everything that nothing misses your consciousness and that's what Sri Yukteswar is asking of all of us through this little kind of chastisement of Paramahansa Yogananda.
1: Just to reinforce the importance of awareness, I mean wherever you go you can really make a difference in that setting that God has placed you. Whether it is uh, visit someone's friends, visit any other place, you know like if your awareness is sharp enough you can really make a difference not just creating or changing something physically in the place you are but energetically your energy your state of consciousness can change the vibration of a room can change the mind setting Of the people around you. So that's number one, very important. I wanted to add also before you Mm -hmm. bring the second point. Sri Yateshwar, let's not forget that he is omnipresent. He knows absolutely every thought Yogananda had, present, past, and future to come. Don't you think Sri Yateshwar? knew in advance this episode was going to take place, yet he waited until Yogananda did that little um, <laughs> forgot, I don't, I don't want to say mistake, but careless um, action. So his guru allowed him through go, to go through that so he could really learn. That's specific lesson. And for many of us it's important to recognize that the Guru needs to allow us to make mistakes, to to,
0: to go through whatever to go we through. need to go yeah, through. He's not gonna stop you, you know, necessarily. He's not gonna help you avoid exactly. the learning that is present in the very mistake. And that's truly a very important point, which is kind of the second point, in a sense, mm. where Sri Yukteshwar is bringing out the law of karma, isn't mm-hmm. he? He's like, "Oh, you've neglected your duty in safeguarding the ashram; you must be punished." Of course, he's doing it a little jokingly, but what he's saying is, even your material responsibilities carry with them the law of karma, a
1: consequence, and the
0: consequence of of that lack of awareness. In fact most karma is the direct result of the lack of awareness we do so much without clear awareness of our actions and that we just keep creating karma over and over again the beauty over here of course is Sri Yuktesh were kind of saying okay let's exp you know let's overcome and um, neutralize this karma now (laughs) so that later on when something hits you, you don't wonder where did this come from? I don't deserve this. I hadn't done anything. I've been such a good human being. I don't hurt people. Whatever we tend to kind of create as a little justification for why we shouldn't suffer. And here Sri Yukteswar is like, okay, let's let's close this little chapter (laughs) right here and just tie it up neatly in a bow. I thought he was obscurely joking, this is Yogananda saying, when he added, your six cauliflowers will soon be only five. Now, of course, as Narayani mentioned, Sri Yukteswar is working on so many levels here, right? He's working on Yogananda's tendency to be careless. You Remember, even in the first ashram that Yogananda was in, where he constantly neglected, he wanted to meditate more, which was appropriate, but kind of neglecting or putting everything else down and saying what I'm doing is better and is best
1: categorizing what's spiritual versus what's not
0: exactly and so there's that aspect and then there's of course that little attachment yeah. that's yeah. been little by little growing towards those cauliflowers and so Sri Yuktesh was almost using this like you know, ek teer se do shikar that uh, one stone and two birds So, the six cauliflowers will soon be only five. We turned around at Master's orders and marched back until we were close to the hermitage. Rest a while. Mukunda, look across the compound on your left. Observe the road beyond. A certain man will arrive there presently. He will be the means of your chastisement. Now again, look at the thing, Sri Yukteswar stops them before the hermitage. The act has not yet taken okay. place, the, the, you know, whatever the carelessness, whatever that punishment was, hasn't yet happened. And Sri Yukteswar could say, let's run and let's stop it from happening and let it, you know, let's save the day. But he says, oh, let's rest here, we're not yet there. And he asks Mukunda to look and watch Absurd. and yeah. observe and see that karma take place and not interfere with it. Allow that to happen with detachment and allow whatever learning that needs to come to be received fully.
1: I appreciate um, the quickness in which karma comes to us when we have the presence of a Guru in our lives. This, just, this is happening in, in less than perhaps 30 <laughs> minutes. I mean, you just perform an action that has a, consequences, has a consequence and then karma comes back to you. I mean, Yogananda doesn't need to wait three lifetimes <laughs> to pay off this, you know, little lack of awareness or even one, two years. It comes to us right away. This is the beauty of being committed to freedom in this lifetime because you know (laughs) karma is going to come fast and we cannot complain when it comes and as Swami Kriyananda says the spiritual path is not for children but for warriors and as Yogananda was as each one of us want to become let's be grateful when karma comes to us, mm. where any disappointment, where any, I don't know, obstacle, or where, when anything is taken from us because karma is being burned and there is a blessing behind it. And the blessing is we are becoming freer and freer from that particular attachment or from that particular. way of of thinking, where we believe there, or in that person, we will be happy.
0: I think it's also important to just mention here, before we forget, uh, is that of course, Yogananda and Sri Yukteswar are playing out uh, a predefined role here. Master had no karma, Master Mm -hmm. had no necessity to (laughs) learn anything, to receive anything, but the beauty of the lives of the saints are that they live their lives purely for our benefit. There's nothing they need to gain. There's no egoic anything to even attach karma to. So, while you know we will keep saying, and then Yogananda had to learn this and learn that, um, it's important perhaps to substitute and then we have to learn this and then we have to learn that, because that's, what's, that's really what's going on here. Um, Our Guru is playing the part of the seeker who is very close to the goal. He's playing the part of the seeker who's very close, even though he himself is far beyond that, um, that state of consciousness. But I think he's written it for those disciples of his, who in his footsteps, having received Kriya Yoga, are themselves in that stage where we're close, but we're not there yet. And this is what it looks like when you're close, but you're not there yet. I concealed my vexation at these incomprehensible remarks. A peasant soon appeared on the road. He was dancing grotesquely and flinging his arms about with meaningless gestures. As the man reached a point in the road... Oops. No. Almost Almost paralysed with curiosity, I glued my eyes on the hilarious spectacle. As the man reached a point in the road where he would vanish from our view, Sri Yukteswar said, now he will return. So, in case you can't really see this, they're in a lane. Sri Yukteswar stopped them before. He wants Yogananda to see what's going to happen. And a guy, this is the lane of the ashram, a peasant, a man, kind of a little bit perhaps drunk goofy. or yeah, a little goofy, walks comes into view from one side and he walks across and he crosses over to the other side where now he can't be seen anymore. And once he crosses over, Sri Yukteswar says, now he's going to return. The peasant at once changed his direction and made for the rear of the ashram. So he comes back, suddenly decides, like a new thought came to his mind. He comes back and enters the ashram from the back gate. Crossing a sandy tract, he entered the building by the back door. I had left it unlocked, even as my guru had said. The man emerged shortly, holding one of my prized cauliflowers. He now strode along respectably, invested with the dignity of possession. (laughs) This is a
1: good one. (laughs) I love
0: those words. Yes. He is like how he was before like yeah. a little goofy and you know his hands are just swinging and he doesn't really have the presence and the power and the energy but now suddenly that he has this yes. prized cauliflower he's like he's more respectable <laughs> he's invested with the dignity of possession and uh, it's almost in a sense um a directional understanding isn't it as we begin to learn also to have outward success our own dignity also in fact begins to grow with that to a certain degree as long as we see that upward flow of okay you know because it shows that your energy has enough we go, an opportunity to pause again. It shows that your energy has enough power and direction to magnetize things to you. And uh, that builds the soul awareness in us. And of course, as we all know, we hit we hit a kind of a, a wall after a point once we've possessed as much there is to have possessed lifetime after lifetime and we realize that it lacks fulfillment, and that's when the soul finally turns to say i want more and i want god i want my own full potential i no longer want just the paltry possessions of the earth but here we see that shift happen in this man suddenly with the even
1: possession even his own magnetism
0: shifted yeah. yeah which is interesting which yeah, is a, which is why it's so amazing and so mm-hmm. fascinating especially on this path it, there is no real distinction between material and good and bad and spiritual. It's all a directional flow. For this man, that possession was a directional upward flow of, ah, look at him now. You know, Suddenly there's dignity. There's, there's more energy in him. There's more confidence in him. There's more awareness in him. Now that he has something worth mm-hmm. kind of protecting and being proud of and being happy for. So it's directional. For most of us, that stage is well Mm past and now we can no longer use possession.
1: Though it can happen when we acquire some sort of a spiritual experience or some spiritual knowledge that is, you know, bestowed to Mm -hmm. us. Or sometimes we steal that (laughs) spiritual, you know, kind of understanding or experience that doesn't necessarily belong to us so it's important for us to 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 distinguish what are we taking even spiritually that it's not ours and what is being given to us by right
0: the unfolding farce in which my role appeared to be that of bewildered victim was not so disconcerting that I failed in indignant pursuit." Which means, he ran after the man. He's like, Mm -hmm. even though for a moment he was like, wow, I'm just having to watch. I mean, Sri Yukteswar could have stopped this. But here he is holding Yogananda back, making him watch his karma take place Mm -hmm. from a distance. He says, but I still, after that happened, Yogananda still kind of Mm -hmm. ran behind that guy. I was halfway to the road, when Master recalled me, and again, Sri ji didn't allow Yogananda to interfere in this process. Mm-hmm. He called him back. He was shaking from head to foot with laughter. And of course, he, Sri Yukteswar created this entire scene, so he really was enjoying this whole thing play out. That poor crazy man had been longing for a cauliflower he explained between outbursts of mirth. I thought it would be a good idea if he got one of yours, so ill-guarded. I dashed to my room where I found that the thief, evidently one with a vegetable fixation, That's such
1: a fun one.
0: <laughs> had left untouched my gold rings, watch and money all lying openly on the blanket. Again, one of those Guru moments, <laughs> is the only way to put it.
1: Yeah.
0: So much more could have happened by Yogananda's carelessness. They, you know, Sri Yukteswar could could have not mentioned it at all. They would have gone out, they would have been on the beach for a long time. Anybody could have gone into the ashram and could have taken absolutely whatever they wanted. And in this particular case, in Yogananda's room with the gold, the money, the watch, all of it on display for Mm -hmm. anybody to come and just grab. Yet this guy went under the bed and took only the cauliflower. Of course, as Master jokingly says, he had a vegetable fixation. It's like he was craving only for that 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 cauliflower. (laughs) He had crawled instead under the bed where, completely hidden from casual sight, One of my cauliflowers had aroused his single hearted desire. So, Sri Yukteswar created the event but also held the karma and mitigated the karma from it being much worse. And he allowed only that to be taken away which, you know, could have been, which is such a mild punishment, so to speak. Whereas, what could have happened could have been much more impactful Mm -hmm. on a material level. I asked Sri Yukteswar that evening to explain the incident, which had, I thought, a few baffling features. My guru shook his head slowly. You will understand it someday. Science will soon discover a few of these hidden laws. So first we have to realize what's... All of this is taking place in like 19... I don't know what, 1910? 1912, early, early on in the 1900s. So, you know, there's a lot less even scientific understanding than we have today. And let's see what that scientific understanding was. Did you want to say something? When the wonders of radio burst some years later on an astounded world, I remembered Master's prediction. Age-old concepts of time and space were annihilated. No peasant's home so narrow that London or Calcutta could not enter. The dullest intelligence enlarged before indisputable proof of one aspect of man's omnipresence. Again, just look at the consciousness of these two masters. One, Sri Yukteswarji kind of knowing that science as man's consciousness rises science itself will begin to start discovering and learning some of these hidden realities that are so accessible to the masters they're just so aware of any scientific advancement and they can use what scientific advancement can only create through devices and a lot of uh, complicated you know uh, instruments they just use it through their consciousness but secondly also yogananda recognizing as science kind of enlarges its own ability to perceive the universe, it's in a a sense, it's helping discover aspects of our own omnipresence. In this case, the radio being, I speak here, I mean, just this is omnipresence. Narayani and I are in this house, in Mumbai, in the ashram, but in a sense, we're omnipresent in your home, and we're omnipresent in anybody's home who opens their hearts and their door and their computer and their phone to us and that's what radio created it created the potential to show ah just with a little scientific understanding we're already moving towards or moving closer to an omnipresent state of being and it's just beautiful to see that the consciousness that the masters see mm-hmm. is just not separate. Mm-hmm. They're not seeing ah, oh, science is, you know, pff, science is so material and it's so limited, no, spirituality is far greater. They're just seeing science as hand-in-hand with the spiritual understanding and expansion mm-hmm. of consciousness, and science just participates in that. Because now, thanks to science, we're so much more comfortable with the possibilities and the potentials that each of us have. A hundred years ago, man thought himself to be far more limited than he is now embraced through science, through scientific discoveries. The plot of the cauliflower comedy can be best understood by a radio analogy. Sri Yukteswar was a perfect human radio. I love that. Thoughts are no more than very gentle vibrations moving through the ether. So they are frequencies, they are waves, just like radio waves are constantly passing through us. Just as a sensitized radio picks up a desired musical number out of thousands of other programs from every direction, so my guru had been able to catch the thought of the half-witted man who hankered for a cauliflower, out of the countless thoughts of broadcasting human wills in the world." Not only beautifully put and explained, Mm -hmm. it just kind of opens your heart, even just listening to these words. You may not have understood every particular sentence, every particular word, but there's power there already. And the power that Yogananda is saying, Not just Sri were demonstrated but the power that he says you and I possess is like a radio now what's happening we're all familiar with the radio enough at least in our cars now (laughs) radios also seems like really old but you've got the dial and the dial hits every you know different channels and you can choose what you're going to tune into ah you know i want radio mirchi or i want whatever red (laughs) fm or whatever (laughs) stations play and you can attune yourself to whatever particular frequency to catch what it is. Oh, I want a Bollywood song, I want a Hollywood song, I want the news, I want a talk show, whatever it is. And similarly, every human being is broadcasting similar, subtler waves into the ether. Every thought, every activity, your aura is a broadcasting station. And the masters Can from the gazillions of, you know, frequencies and waves cross-currenting across each other throughout the ether, they can pick up just the right one, tune into just the right thing at the right moment, and give each of us Mm -hmm. exactly what we need Mm -hmm. in that moment. By his powerful will, Master was also a human broadcasting station. So, there are two aspects to the radio, right? The broadcasting of it and then the receiving of it. And we can do both. Yogananda said, the spiritual eye, this is the center of our will, is the broadcasting station. So, if you want to send out thoughts to the universe, to people, even to God, this is where you want to be sending it out from powerfully. Or
1: to ask for a specific solution to a particular problem, also. a prayer,
0: a, a prayer, dilemma, yeah. an intuitive yeah. you know, one understanding that you are looking for. And then he said the heart is the receiving station and this is where you can pick up on the universe, you can pick mm-hmm. up on other people. This is where we receive both from the universe and from those around us. So by his powerful will, which is this is the center for that will, Master was also a human broadcasting station and had successfully directed the peasant to reverse his steps and to go to a certain room for a single cauliflower. That's how... um, What's the word I'm looking for? That's how precise the instructions that Sri Yukteswar was able to place in that man's consciousness.
1: And, And how they can work with other people's karma they don't even need to be His disciples. Mm. Which, that was fascinating to me when I was reading. This man had nothing to do with Sri Yukteswar, yet, he used this person's karma to teach a lesson to his own disciple. I mean, it's just like hard to even (laughs) understand how this works, but each one of us are vehicles for other people's freedom. So
0: And vice versa. (laughs) And vice versa. So
1: your maid has a role to play in your life, your driver, your children, every single person can be used, specifically picked up from your own guru, by your guru, to bring you closer to him and to the divine.
0: So when you ask for guidance or when you're saying, you know, why aren't you helping me? Don't assume that the Guru is sending you those thoughts alone. Mm -hmm. He's sending and directing those thoughts, those inspirations, those subtle guidances to everyone around you Mm -hmm. to respond to whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you need. Because oftentimes, um, we're not able, is really the only word, to Mm -hmm. truly receive guidance. So, He has to move 20 other different pieces just for us to get it, to create the karmic scene, to create the setup for our freedom because we're not yet able to intuitively, completely receive the Guru's instructions. Intuition is soul guidance, appearing naturally in man during those instants when his mind is calm. That's a very key moment here. (laughs) Now, it doesn't mean that every time your intuition has to come, you're going to have to figure out how to be calm, but it does mean that you're going to have to learn Those to calm the mind again and again, again and again. And that's why meditation is so important. So that later on, in moments of chaos, in moments of need, in moments of difficulty, the mind can naturally become calm to receive intuition. So Then it's not like, okay, I have to calm myself. Because sometimes it's in the heat of the moment, it may not happen. But if you practice it daily, calming the mind, stilling the thoughts again and again, again and again, opening yourself again and again, again and again, creating space for the Guru's thoughts to enter into your consciousness, then that intuitive perception becomes so natural you don't even realize it, you wouldn't even call it intuition anymore.
1: In fact, I like to perceive this, you know, calming the mind in the middle of activity as a process of listening, Hmm. because it's easier to calm your mind in the stillness of meditation, in the quietness of your room. But how do we calm our mind in the middle of activity, in the middle of chaos and busyness? And the process of listening has already an instant impact in your mind. Last few days, believe us when we tell you it has been crazy <laughs> at the ashram. like. So many people, so many devotees coming at the same time to do seva, so many things going on and it has has been a wonderful process for me personally to keep my sanity, (laughs) my centeredness and my cool (laughs) with everyone around by listening what's happening right now, what are the priorities, what needs my attention the most, what's the Guru trying to tell me, where I'm being guided to do what, to say what, to inspire what. And that's fascinating and it's a wonderful practice to steal your mind in the middle of activity activity by listening carefully the energy, the the waves that are happening right there, where you are at that moment.
0: Nearly everyone has had the experience of an inexplicably correct hunch, or has transferred his thoughts effectively to another person. So, this is not... I mean, we've all experienced this often kind of randomly or just kind of suddenly, where a little thought came, a little premonition came, it turned out to be true, or you're thinking of somebody and they call you, or you wanted somebody to do something for you and they just do it on their own. So, it's not. this is not kind of alien to our own experience, it is that we just don't know how to train ourselves to make this our kind of constant reality. The human mind, free from static of restlessness, can perform, through its antenna of intuition, all the functions of complicated radio mechanisms, which is the sending and receiving of thoughts, and the tuning out of undesirable ones. As the power of a radio depends on the amount of electrical current it can utilise, so the human radio is energised according to, to the power of will possessed by each individual so willpower plays a very key role in your ability to both broadcast and receive Mm -hmm. we think sometimes of receiving as a very passive state okay if i just kind of calm myself completely and just relax i'll just receive this is not that kind of relaxation this is a very dynamic and that's why Narayani using the word listening is it really puts it into the right perspective because when you have to listen you're not like okay i'm listening you know you have to be Very still, very alert, every kind of gentle movement Mm -hmm. in your own mind has to be fine-tuned to that listening. And of course to broadcast even more powerfully. All thoughts vibrate eternally in the cosmos. Let's say that again. All thoughts vibrate eternally in the cosmos. Wow,
1: this is a tip one. What does
0: that mean? none of our thoughts are going anywhere. <laughs> Eternally they vibrate in the cosmos, which means...
1: Forever.
0: Be careful of your thoughts, because eat for eternity wow. you are seeding them. Once a thought has left your mind, there's no more pulling <laughs> running it back. behind
1: it. Oh no, I'm sorry,
0: I <laughs> didn't that. You can't put that, that rabbit back <laughs> in the hat, as they say. So, that's a big...
1: Yeah, wow.
0: What's the word? Responsibility (laughs) Mm -hmm. on each of our parts of what thoughts we're eternally allowing to just float around. And then those thoughts can be picked up by anybody. This is how our thoughts greatly influence Mm -hmm. our reality, the world. What's going on in the world today is a direct consequence. I'm not even going to say a kind of a casual, indirect happening of Mm -hmm a direct consequence of all our thoughts together. Because each of us are picking up on this. We're all broadcasting and receiving stations, just whatever consciousness we're tuned into, whatever awareness we hold, if we have a certain level of awareness, everybody in the world who has a similar awareness, we're we're attuned, we're drawing similar thoughts, we're putting out similar energies. And all of us are emphasizing and, and building that energy in the world, and creating the experience of the world that we have right now. By deep concentration, a master is able to detect the thoughts of any mind, living or dead.
1: Mm. Again, amazing.
0: Because if the thoughts are eternally there, even if a person's left the body, the thoughts are there now for all eternity. And this is how, which is so important for us, this is how we also attune to the physical aspect of our own Guru. Mm-hmm. Because everything he's put out is there for all eternity for a disciple three hundred million years later to receive. And this is why we're still receiving Krishna, we're still receiving Christ, we're still receiving Buddha, we're receiving those we don't even know. If I, yeah,
1: go ahead, sorry.
0: If of course we're tuned to the right channel.
1: And especially when we want to communicate sometimes with you know loved ones mm. who have departed from our lives uh, we just still can do that with our thoughts with our prayers and we can receive also from them certain messages inspiration and answers to whatever we are asking them so very important that whenever we try to create a commun- communication with those beings of light now they have become beings of light you know that our communication and the kind of thoughts are always uplifted and positive and come from a the higher part of our body the higher chakras which is the heart the throat and especially um, through the point between the eyebrows so they can really um, receive the essence of what we are trying to communicate or to convey to them.
0: Paramans Yogananda, if you've heard this, when he channeled the Bhagavad Gita, you know, the interpretations that we've been doing every Thursday, mm. he just said, I just tuned my thoughts to Ved Vyas, and then it just, he says, the entire Gita just flowed. And this is what, again, each of us can do if we learn how to perfect our radio instrument. Thoughts are universally and not individually rooted. A truth cannot be created but only perceived. This is again one of those, perhaps this is in fact where we would need to Pause because this is a very very important aspect of of life of creation of the laws of this universe which is thoughts are universally and not individually rooted again what does that mean we know of the three kind of aspects of creation the causal the astral the physical the causal world is the universe of thought and ideas of it's an it's ideational and that's where each of us draw any thought and every thought from what yogananda is saying is we don't generate and create thoughts our minds not a thought manufacturing factory our minds are thought receiving and broadcasting factories only so every thought since it is eternally present so every thought that we're having which is kind of like uh oh i'm not having any original thoughts Mm of my own of course we can have original thoughts which is thoughts which are completely divinely attuned and then you place it into the ether but in general based on our level of consciousness we attract these thoughts. So, when you're in a mood, when your energy is low, when your consciousness is low, you'll naturally attract those kind of thoughts that...
1: When we are always complaining about things.
0: <laughs> then we become complainers, we become negative, we see only the bad, and even if a friend is around, we just can't... it's like even his happiness is too much for us to take, because our energy can't attune to the joy. We can't receive thoughts that are uplifted. But when you're happy or when you're in love or when something you're just experiencing something great, even things that otherwise would bother you, they don't bother you because those thoughts of the complaint, the negativity, the fact that this should be bothering me, they don't enter. They cannot enter, you cannot receive those thoughts because your consciousness and your energy is vibrating at a completely different frequency. So this is very, very, very important for us to realize. When you are negative, when you are in a mood, when you catch something that's downward pulling, you're going to attract those thoughts. And then don't ask, why are these thoughts coming to me? And you know, why am I generating? Why am I such a negative? It's not even that you're negative is that that the place that your consciousness is in now is only capable of matching and vibrating with that low frequency. It mm-hmm. can't do anything else. So it's so important. That's why consciousness, changing consciousness, coming back to meditation, the changing of consciousness changes everything. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, if I can only fix this thought, and if I can only mm-hmm. fix this action, if I can only fix the world, then everything will be fine. When we fix the world outwardly, and we, uh, we just kind of feel, ah, oh, I fixed this, so now I'm happy, is because in the process of putting energy out, <laughs> our energy rises. In the process of doing something that's meaningful to us, our consciousness gets stronger, and then we start attracting those thoughts and saying, ah, oh, now the world is a little better. But the world didn't do anything. It was just your consciousness mm-hmm. that did it all. And so be aware, therefore, of the thoughts that are passing through you because two things are happening you're seeding the universe with it therefore you are magnetizing and strengthening that vibration so that others also are more easily the stronger the vibration the more naturally you will gravitate towards it so a negativity is a strong vibration Mm -hmm. so the moment our consciousness gets even slightly in tune with that vibration like a magnet gets kind of attached and stuck and attracted to that vibration. Similarly, joy and love are very powerful, but for joy and love, our consciousness has to be high enough to be constantly receiving that frequency. So, find that (coughs) awareness of your own thought to see, what am I putting out there for? What vibration am I strengthening? And what am I receiving? Which means, where is my consciousness right now?
1: In fact, Swami Kriyananda says, If you really want to protect yourself and to increase your aura so your aura becomes so big, so huge that it becomes a protective field around you, he said, the more uplifted you are, the more your aura will expand and will create that field where other people's thoughts and negativity, I mean, your aura will become like a Force fort or like a bar- barrier that will push away those thoughts that are not in sync or in resonance with your high consciousness. That's the beauty of being in the presence of a self-realized master or to meditate thinking attuning yourself to the guru because their consciousness is they live in the super consciousness so basically we are attuning ourselves to that super conscious consciousness that it has the power to push away all those things that we don't want to invite in our lives, in our aura, in our consciousness. So, a good point to practice this week. Please, you know, uplift your energy and be surrounded. Uh, surrounded, no? mm-hmm. by positive people.